episode 26, Strategies for Personal Brand Building. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostclair, and today we hear Jane Anderson's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trostclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. We continue with our Spotlight on Women with Jane Anderson. Next week, we will have a dentist, the first dentist on the show. She is relatively new in practice. And to be honest, I'm going to just continue this until I run out of female guests. So it might be two or three more weeks. I hope you're enjoying a different perspective. I know I sure am. I hope it's empowering for new doctors, women in general, and even guys uh, change their mindset if they have a, a weird one out there about women. I hope you've been having a good time this past couple of weeks. So let's continue. Women's Month. Let's go. Our guest today comes from around the world to Australia, Jane Anderson, personal branding master. She's got several books underneath her name. The latest one is Influencer. She has another one about LinkedIn. So of course, we're going to dive into uh, LinkedIn. I didn't even realize people still really use it for business and and referrals. So we go uh, into that and ask some really good questions, have her talk about her lead generation indicator. You definitely want to test that out on her website and um, just a lot of her influences, her history and how she became a brand leader for big companies like Virgin Australia, Lego and a few others. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash two six. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Hello, podcast. Welcome to week four of Women's Spotlight Month. Today, our guest is a communication expert. 13 years experience in personal branding and LinkedIn profile development for CEOs. She's worked with over 20,000 people on having more impact and influence on business communications and their careers. She has clients like Virgin Australia, Lego, Ikea, Rio Tinto, Origin Energy, and she is on faculty for Thought Leaders Business School, work with some of Australia's leading experts in their field. And she's the creator of Lead Generation Indicator, which is the world's first diagnostic measuring marketing gaps, and opportunities for industry experts. I took it, so I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say about that. She also has a number one ranked iTunes podcast, The Jane Anderson Brand New Show, and has been featured in Business Insider, Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, Courier Mail, and Sky Business News. And she was rated the number 23 world's best branding blogs. That's quite an accomplishment. As well as a nominee for the Testra Women's Business Awards in 2014 and 2016, And somehow she has managed to write three books, including Connect, How to Leverage Your LinkedIn Profile for Business Growth and Lead Generation in Less Than Seven Minutes Per Day. Please welcome Jane Anderson. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Can you come with me to all my uh, events and do all my intros for me? (laughs) Yes. I just like hotels paid for. That's it. (laughs) Help me travel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have some interesting news for you. Uh In May... I will be going to New Zealand. Oh, great. And then I'm heading out to Australia in July yeah. to see my niece sing in Sydney and then going to Canes, I believe, with the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Reefers. Oh, fantastic. That's great news. When did you say yes. July? July mid, mid-July. like 
15th ish. Oh, that's the it's such a beautiful time of year to come. It's our winter then, but our winter's nothing like you know, a US winter, like snow and things. It's so beautiful and mild. And when you go to Cairns to go out on the reef, it's not even going to be that hot. It'll just be, it'll just be perfect. You'll have such a great time. And you can I wear shorts or put on some jeans? Bring your jeans. You'll need those okay. and, and probably um, like a light coat or something. And uh depends if you feel the cold. But when you go to Cairns, you'll just need your shorts and your thongs. You'll be oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you'll be fine. And I mean thongs that you put on your feet, not <laughs> underpants. Exactly. I was about to say that. It's, <laughs> you could I mean, hey, whatever you, you want. really wanted to. <laughs> I, in China, you have to wear these um, skimpy bathing suits. And I was like, if this is what women feel like, um, you're out on display. This is not cool. So I, I apologize that the society has made you wear a two-piece bathing suit. <laughs> oh, that's great news. I'm very excited for you. I oh, appreciate it. Well, as most people will know at this point, we had you on earlier. We had my, uh, my a malfunction. And you've been gracious to come back on the show. And I'm excited because you gave so much good information. And I'm just, I'm, you're not going to disappoint. You obviously do this all the time. And so uh, if you're ready, let's just get started. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think even this, even just, you know, saying that I think is really important for people to know in business that, you know, stuff like this happens all the time. It's happened to me when you, you know, you, you're excited about doing these types of things and things, technology fails and you know what, it's just life and, you know, I'm grateful that um, that you have, that we're trying again and because I think that really shows the commitment to you, to your listeners and that you really want to create something great for them. So, um, so more than happy to have another go. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. They always talk about authenticity and you can't get more authentic than, hey, guess what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, now you weren't always a coach, you weren't always a, a big deal. What's your backstory and how did you get into this field to begin with? Yeah. Um, so when I, uh, you know, if I go right back to when I was in high school, uh, I did a marketing degree but uh, after I finished high school. But while I was in high school, I, I was 14 years old and I got my first job and, and I was work, I worked for a family here in Australia called the Mathers family. And Mathers are a big chain of shoe stores here in Australia now. And back then, back in the late 80s, um, they were a really well-known brand, and uh, and so the gentleman who owned that business was a second-generation retailer called Sir Robert Mathers. So he was knighted by the Queen, and uh, and his family started this business, or his father started it. He was second-generation, so I worked for the Mathers family for twelve years, and uh, and then worked for his daughter as well. So. And so she was the third generation. And so I learned about what a name means and what your personal brand and what that means as part of growing a business. And, uh, and you know, I think he was kind of before his time. You know, when you look now at how people grow their businesses and how to leverage their name and their personal brand through their business, that's so big now. But I didn't realize the value of that back then. Uh, so I did a marketing degree at university and I still continued to work for the Mathers family during that time and uh and then I moved into government for some for a period and worked in HR and then I started to you know even though I did this mix of marketing and HR I constantly found myself in a position of helping just people communicate well 
And so it was teaching them how to apply for jobs internally in government. Uh, then I started to work on, as a HR advisor, I really worked on a lot of panels on how to, uh, we had a change of, of uh, recruitment process in Queensland state government. So Queensland is the state that I'm in. And so I started to teach people not only how to apply for jobs and progress their career within government, but also teach panels how to recruit using competency frameworks and things like that. So I really started to fall into, you know, teaching people how to sell themselves. And so whether they were giving a presentation, trying to get an idea across, uh, trying to get a job, um, so and then coaching leaders. So I, I then went through a situation where I got divorced and, started my life all over again and I moved uh, from the country back to the city and I was I was stuck I couldn't get a job and I was spent three months at my parents house you know it was great to have be have the cooking done for you and the <laughs> and the washing but after a while my mum got I remember the day my mum said to me and she's a bit of a tough nut but she said to me you know what she said Jane, I don't know what you're doing, but it's clearly not working. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mum. <laughs> she and she said, I think it's time for you to go and talk to Centrelink. And so Centrelink are our um, social security uh, type service here in Australia. So, and I thought, you know, I, it's not that I'm too proud, but I just thought this just doesn't seem right. Something's something's not right. You know, I've got all this experience. I've got a, I think I've got a good reputation. I know I can get a good job done. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to design, if I could get my dream job, what would it be? And so I decided I wanted to work for this particular CEO here in Australia. He's since won CEO of the year um, here and I wanted to work for him and I knew I could help his company. And I just went out and pitched and uh, I got my my dream job. So, um, and then just from there, started to work with in that organisation. Just started to work with leaders on helping them progress their careers and be strategic about what they were doing. And um, from there, started to see clients outside of work and just built up my clientele out of that. And just started to evolve. And then that's how I left corporate and moved into what I do now. So, did you have to take any classes? I think like a um, what's that guy's name? Not Stephen Covey, but... Uh, like Anthony Robbins or... Yeah, like an Anthony <laughs> Rob. I, I can't believe the guy's name's... Uh, Bill, oh, man. Everybody goes to him. He's thinking... Not thinking grow rich, but... Oh, um, yeah. Um, a, a, speaking in, a speaking class, like how to do best presentations, how to make yourself better and more articulate. Apparently, I need to take his class if I can figure out his name. <laughs> That's all right. You'll think of it at like 2 o'clock tomorrow morning and... Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. Um, uh, no, I, I didn't. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. I haven't been formally trained in in communications, although I did a marketing degree. Uh, but I think I learnt my communication skills from working for the Mathers family and and Sir Robert's uh, daughter, who I worked for, Tracy Mathers is her name. And uh, in fact, she's gone on to be a, a coach and a, a mentor now for women in business. She sold her business, and that was a big thing for her. So, um, but I think um, I think I'd always. It's just something that I think I've had really good. I've always had really good bosses and people that I've worked for who have mm. had incredible communication skills, and I've learned on the job. Um, so I think it's probably been that, and I've also. You know, my mum, I remember when we were growing up and had getting a job, 
Mum was quite particular about us having a, a, a high school job where we had to talk to people. So she wanted us to make sure we had, uh, you know, she didn't want us to have some kind of job where, you know, even if it was a part-time school job, not sort of, you know, being in a job where we were necessarily, um, you know, not communicating with people, like not in a warehouse, not, you know, talking to people. Or she wanted us to really focus on getting out and customer service and so retail was was my start and spent 15 years in retail. I did go on and work for uh, uh, Peter Bertels is his name, the CEO. So the company was called Super Retail Group, so Super Cheap Auto, BCF, Gold Cross Cycles, Raise Outdoors. They have about 10,000 staff here in Australia and uh, so I took on their learning and development manager's role and uh, rolled out the training for uh, for that ten thousand people, so um, oh. so I think retail was really my my grounding and and learning to talk to people. Sounds like your mom was pretty forward thinking in that because that's a skill that will always be good. But you probably would have hated it as a kid. You're like ah, <laughs> and then you're like oh, okay. Well, later on, actually, it's a really good skill to have. Oh, his name was Bill Carnegie. Oh, oh Dale <laughs> Carnegie. Oh, Dale, Dale Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, he's is uh, he. I always think of his his quote with presentations. He says, you know, when you present, there's always the one you gave, uh, the one you prepared, the one you gave, and the one you wish you gave. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope my uh, speaking skills turns into the uh, glad he prepared some more. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, a competency framework teaching you how to sell yourself. Any hints? Because, you know, as doctors, we've, we've got to sell to a hospital. We've got to sell to our clients. Any one or two tricks or yeah. skills that we can develop on our own by a book or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I coach a lot of doctors to get onto specialist training programs here in Australia. So if you are uh, if you want to get onto dermatology, dermatology is by far the most competitive here in Australia. So if, America if, too. Is it? Okay. So if you want to be a dermatologist, you want to be a urologist, um, if you want to get into obstetrics and gynecology, um, general surgery, whatever. Um, so they all have competencies. And so it's the same in, in any role. And what whatever you're applying for is what is the criteria? What is it that, that this organisation or this department or what are they looking for? My experience has been that people don't actually, there are two problems. One is that they don't read the competencies. So sometimes they don't, a lot of people don't know they exist. Uh, and so they're trying to sell themselves based on their focus on, there's a lot of focus on themselves the first time they try to do it. Whereas I say get, you've got to go attention out. Just go and look at what it is that they're looking for and once you can see what they're looking for and what they need help with, then you can work with the criteria. So I say a, a criteria or a competency framework. It's a bit like a patient. You know, you've got his, except it's on a piece of paper. So it says, you know, these are all the symptoms <laughs> that the patient has and your job is to say what do you what are you going to prescribe or what do you have as the solution for each of those symptoms and if you can and that's essentially what you're doing to sell yourself isn't it you know you're saying well this is what your problem is and i think that the real key is understanding what the problem is that they need fixed so regardless of whether it's a patient whether it's a hospital whatever it might be, is what's the actual problem they need fixed and then sell the solution. What is it that you can help them with to solve that problem? And then you actually 
don't even feel like you're selling yourself. You're just solving the problem. You know, I think you had mentioned that, but on the last time we talked, mm-hmm. and I was applying for a job that didn't even exist yet because ah. they're all filled. And I went on their website and looked at the application, and it said something about some core value that they have. And I was like, what is what is this acronym? And so I yeah. went to their website, spent a few minutes reading. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to tailor my cover letter yeah. to cover yeah. at least two or three of the points that they're talking about. So Well done. It works. Yeah. You just got to read. You just got to read it. A lot of people get too caught up in their own thoughts and just, just read what they're in the information they're giving you. Sometimes they don't give a lot, but try to find whatever you can. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. So you have big experience with, with Virgin, with Ikea. Is, did you have any like a story of a time where you know like you helped somebody and they went on to really make some big changes or um, just you saw like a real success and just gave you that fire like I've got to keep doing this for more people because it really works? Yeah, you know, I, and I'm fortunate enough that I – see it almost daily. So I mentor I mentor a lot of people. Uh, Mentoring is a big part of my business. And, you know, I think um, some of the ones that come to mind, you know, even just a, there's a lady that I'm mentoring at the moment, even yesterday, you know, she has been, uh, she's a, she works with elite athletes around the world. So she's an expert in high performance. And so she mm. works with um, companies here. Like she's just come back from the UK working with the UK Olympic swimming team. She works with the Australian Olympic swimming team. And we have um, uh, significant challenges with women in leadership roles in sport here in Australia. And so she spent the last few years, so uh, she's been a swimming coach in the past, but she now really works with administration. But the biggest challenge in sport, particularly uh, we've had a lot of controversy here in Australia about uh, women in football and uh, that's happened in the last few months. And so there's a lot of funding that's about to go into women's sport and, uh, and but uh, as in women in leadership positions in sport. And this isn't something that's just, uh, just us here in Australia. This is a global challenge. And so, but she's making just massive inroads and there's about to be a lot of significant change and she's right at the very forefront of it. So um, she just came back from London working with the team there. She's back, uh, she was here, she's here in Brisbane at the moment, so we met yesterday. And she's about to uh, launch her next book and, uh, you know, for the work she's doing around putting women into leadership positions in sports, particularly male-dominated sports, um, and helping helping women not be overlooked for roles that they have value um, to help them build their confidence. You know that has a massive impact for a country, and um, and so that's you know she's just one of so many uh, that that I work with. So you know even seeing something like that, I get so excited seeing what they're doing and uh, and just being able to articulate that and communicate that and take that out to a market and say, look, I can help you. You know, this is this is the challenge that sporting's having and there's there's um, a lot of funding about to go into that and she's the leader in, if not globally, in that. So watch this space for her. She's very close to a, a quite a big tipping point. Um, and then you've got others who, uh, you know, if I think about it, I had, as a lady who I've been mentoring and 
you know, she came to me because she's, and I, it's funny, you know, like this lady came to me and I had really admired her work. I followed her blog for a long time, really enjoyed seeing what she has, has to say. And in her case, what I didn't know was that she was really struggling in her business. And she came to me and I said, oh, I followed your blog for some time. I really enjoy what you say and I often share her articles and things. And she said, yeah, but I'm struggling. And so looked at her business and identified that she was only working off one possible income stream and she had another five available to her and leveraging off what she's already got. So not doing a lot of extra necessarily repositioning or building a massive business. And so in her case, we've just created some new products, accessed some new markets, and now her business has doubled just in the last 12 months and it's on track. So it'll probably go four times in, by, in the next – well, we're on track for three. It's a three-year plan is what we've put together. So, wow. um, so things like that. And, but that was the experience I went through. I, these are all the struggles I had too. So it's not that I was the guru at this and I woke up you know, suddenly knowing how to do all this. I had to find a mentor. I had to find someone to teach me. And um, so I've made my own mistakes. You name it, I've done it. (laughs) But uh, so these things don't magically appear. But, you know, it's just amazing to see the things that some of these people can do. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because when you said uh, females being in leadership role, my mind typically goes to, well, there's a woman's NBA and there's women's sports. But even those professions don't usually have a lot of women coaches and you're actually saying, no, that's still very stereotypical. Men's, you know, the, the Australian footy. I'm guessing that's what you meant by football, right? Australian footy? Yeah, and there are some women in okay. Australian football here in Australia. Uh, but we have a lot of, you know, unconscious – it's challenges around unconscious bias or, you know, that they that they can't do certain, certain roles and not necessarily playing in the mm. game but um, bringing the best out of people in a game. Um, and or being able to be going into those coaching roles or leadership roles, and uh, you know we it's, um, there are already some women who are coaches in uh, football here in Australia, which is fantastic, yeah. and they're doing really well, and the teams are doing well. So there's a just a lot more opportunity. It's just the uh, working still with the cultural mindset, and that's always going to be the case. And I've never yeah. really been, you know, a pro feminist type uh, that's not part of my brand or anything like that but I'm mm-hmm. more about yeah like the, the, we have there's people here who have the capability to get the results let's just do that <laughs> yeah to say that a woman that there's not enough women that are qualified to to coach in any facility or any capacity that's just to me is mind-boggling being that you guys are uh, girls are just taking over so many positions and becoming CEOs and rising through the ranks once they once they get the opportunity, you know. Yeah, and equally, I think you know you've got changes. Then, for I think for a lot of men that I see where, that I'm working with, you know, there's a lot of change of role. So you've got changing industries, and now men taking like you know, there's not by 2020, 50 percent of the workforce are going to be self-employed. So you've got a lot of men who are going. You know what? I I wouldn't mind trying out this consulting thing. I think that I've got experience I think I've got something to share and for them kind of saying well I think I could I've got something to share but I'd like some time with my family too so maybe I can you know maybe there's something other than the normal nine to five work week yes I still have to work my butt off but maybe there's something else maybe there's a bigger purpose here maybe there's something else that I could do that can have an impact to help people I am curious on that in answering it two different ways what is a struggle 
maybe one of the top struggles you notice when someone wants to transition into what you just said? And then what was one of the struggles that you personally had to overcome to succeed? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, I think the biggest struggle is the, the first one for a lot, of, a lot of people, I think, are the financial impacts. So, you know, I have a mortgage. <laughs> I have yeah. all those really practical things, you know, like how am I going to cover that? I've got kids in, you know, private schools and how am I going to keep paying school fees and all that sort of stuff. There are certainly the practical elements that I think um, certainly hold people back and and that's fair enough. You know, there's sometimes it's not the right time but it's coming. The other thing I think men and women it's a little bit different. I think for women it's around a belief thing. So quite often it just hasn't even occurred to them. Like they, mm. it, because they just simply don't even have the belief that that's even possible. Uh, however, we've got sixty percent of new businesses in Australia started by women, so Whoa. so there's a real you know irony. And I'm off to see the uh, uh, the minister for small business this morning. So after I speak with you, I'm off to go and see her to talk about. I've just done a. Um, a session with International Women's Day with the Minister for Small Business and Women here in uh, Queensland. And, you know, there's, um, I think one, and we're talking about a mentoring program for women in Queensland. There's a lot more funding coming into that. So I think the big thing is mentors, hard to find mentors, but even to know that you need a mentor, (laughs) I think is one of the hurdles. I think in my case, my greatest challenge was uh, I always knew that I would do it. So I knew from a child that I would always be doing this. But I think for for me, it was actually I was married at the time, and I didn't have the support from my husband when I first like when I first started talking about that I really wanted to start doing it. Um, it was a lack of support. So no, you're going to stay in your job forever. You're not leaving. You're not having a business. He had his own business, but I wasn't able to have mine. And so it was um, a lack of support. And you do sometimes see that. I think whether it's male or female, women can be a bit nervous that their husbands are leaving the workforce. And, you know, does this mean I'm still going to be able to have my Jimmy Choo's? And, you know, (laughs) so we might have to have the $6 bottle of wine for a little while instead of the you know, $50 bottle of wine or whatever, you know, that that there's a lot of fear that comes from from partners, I think. So I think mm-hmm. that's an obstacle as well. For me, it was my family as well. So my family, I think for about two years, my mother kept putting job ads off off online. She'd print them and come and visit me. She'd go, have, have you seen this job? I think you'd be really good for it. Sure you don't want to apply? I <laughs> no, mom. After about two years, I gave up. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> but they don't—they don't know how much money we make typically. They just—they're like, I just know that you don't have a job. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And my family feel feel bad for me because of you know the hours and travel and how hard you work and you know they just think you're crazy. Um, but you know when we love what we do and this is the this is the whole reason we're put on the planet. Then when you have that kind of purpose and intention, uh, there's a much higher calling than you know um, my yeah. paycheck yeah that's the intro that's the entrepreneurial life right there is working more hours than everybody else and then having to figure out you know how do you scale it and then and how do you get your life back yeah that's you right know, after you put the initial well i'm curious you have this thought leader business school mm-hmm. what what is that exactly thought leaders business school was developed by a gentleman here in australia called matt church and uh, so it's a business school that it was started 
Matt's been do doing this work for about 25 years. So he's been a professional speaker. He's number most three, third most booked speaker on eSpeakers, which is a big um, speaker site where people are booked on. And he's num been voted top 10 speaker globally. So he's here in Australia um, and he's been helping people build become experts in their field. So if you, uh, if you if you look in the US, people like Peter Sheehan is probably uh, one who's um, an Australian who did well under Matt and moved to the US. Uh, Neen James, a productivity expert, an Australian girl over there. So what he's done in the last couple of years is developed, essentially, uh, it's called Thought Leaders Business School, and it's like a commercial MBA. So instead of doing an MBA and coming out and going, okay, now I have to work out how I'm going to pay for that and <laughs> now I have to you know, increase my salary enough to cover all that, what we essentially do is we teach people how to set up a practice that is their business or their name.com as the expert in their field and we have 150 students. It's capped at 150, so no more than that. And uh, and so we help people who are experts in their field and to really grow their practice. So they, when we look at growing their practice, the goal is to take them to a turnover of 500,000 Australian dollars to 1.5 million and uh, with one or two staff. So uh, it's we believe it's the model for the future. It's the life by design. Um, there's a lot of work that comes with that, but there are people in business school like... Um, and, uh, some American. There, are, uh, we have. Um, we've just uh, created the uh, the global platform, so we have a few people from the US and Canada. Uh, Dr. Dan Diamond is is part of our group, so he ran the triage center for uh, in New Orleans for Cyclone Katrina. So he's part of our our group, and I do quite a bit with Dan. I've got him coming out to speak at the uh, AMA conference in 2018, Australian Medical Association conference here. Um, and we have people like Dr. Richard Hodge. He's the lead advisor to the Australian Navy uh, and strategy advisor. So, you know, if you look at the calibre of people in there, it's quite extraordinary. So it's a fairly new kind of concept but the, but the, and the formality of it, but Matt's been doing this for about 25 years. So this is definitely something where you need to have a, a business set up where, like you said, you're making at least 500000 Australian dollars before you can kind of move into this type of program? No, that's what they, that's no. the goal to achieve. So we have a lot of people oh. who come in with starting from scratch, like they've got nothing. And so we the goal is to get them to the between 500000 to $1.5 million with the one or two staff. Um, okay. So, yeah, a number of those that have come in. Uh, so people I'm mentoring, so I have uh, six mentees, I have three people who have doctorates and one's a doctor of data, one's a doctor of innovation um, and so these are people, you know, even there are people who are academics even within universities who um, have consulting as part of their practice, you know, they lecture as well. There's a, uh, another guy mentoring a doctor of uh, parenting. So, mm -hmm. you know, so the, the frustration for them sometimes has been you know, being um, it's about being commercially smart. So using exactly the skills and all those types of things that you have, the doctors that we have in the program from all sorts of fields um, have done the research. They're the academics who have done that work. Um, right. So they're, you know, so well positioned. and But just making the most of their expertise and being commercially smart about it. So theoretically speaking, a, a doctor of chiropractic who has recently wrote a book and has a podcast, um, 
would that be someone that could benefit from this type definitely. of uh, program? <laughs> Most definitely, because you you know people like that and like yourself, you're coming in with a lot of momentum. So we have, and mm. the mistake I made, and this is what happens with a lot who come in. The challenge is sometimes we're focusing on the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, sometimes so we have a, a what's what we call a belt system. So if you can imagine like a, um, a karate, you know, you've got a white belt. Oh yeah, okay. Um, you know, yellow belt, green belt, blue belt, black belt, red belt, um, and that's all about sequence. So it, it, quite often, where people come in is that they're doing, trying to do some red belt activities, but they've only got a turnover of white belt, and so the sequence is out. We go, that's great. We want to get to that, but they've seen someone else doing it, and they go, oh, but this person mm-hmm. does this, and this person has. Um, you know, contractors who they come in and do this work for them and this person's written a book and this person's got that and and we go, yeah, hold on. (laughs) Yes, you need all that but we've got to get the sequence right and when the sequence is out, that's when we lose time, lose money and then businesses fail and people go back to trying to find a job. It's like a website. You might see a pretty website and it's a WordPress or you can see another website and it was completely coded by hand. The back end, you don't see the back end, but it's completely different even though it looks similar on the front end. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is, um, I think when we caught up last, is about a bit like LinkedIn versus websites, you know. A, a website is a great example where sometimes they'll come in and they've they've done the most amazing, beautiful website and we'll go, great, how much are you selling? And they go, yeah, nothing. <laughs> we go, exactly. So, so quite often a website is the second, it, like we won't worry about a website until they're, you know, we don't stress about a website until they're turning over, you know, 240000 300000 So we'll focus on uh, list building. We'll focus on selling. We'll focus, LinkedIn is one of the key activities that makes that work. So it's a real foundation piece that sometimes people kind of see as an add-on that oh, I'll do that when I've got time because it's so hard. Um, I'll just focus on my pretty website. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a time suck and it makes you think like yeah. you did something and really you, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it doesn't, it, it's having it done, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. But at the end of the day, when you go to your, to your um, sales figures, you're like, ah, yeah, it really didn't create much yeah. for me just, just yet. <laughs> I had a coach and they, they wanted us to hire somebody to do all of our public relations, even yeah. at a small clinic, they're like, pay somebody to get out there and do the talks, do all the stuff that you need to be doing, but you're adjusting spines. Uh, and they're like, the one thing you can't have them do is play on the website. They're going to want to change the font, change the color, and that's not going to do anything. No. You got to get them out of your office. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. no one can sell you better than you. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's what often happens. You'll go, I'll get salespeople in or, you know, as a, and as a thought leader, if you're the expert in your field, there's three things you need to do. One is you've got to think. So you have to unpack your thinking. You have to be able to disclose what it is that you know and have that voice and educate. The second one is um, sell. You have to be able to to sell and hit your sales targets and budget. So you've got to go to the sales meetings. You're not sending, you know, cold callers to go out and all that sort of thing. You've got to sell. You know you better than anybody and deliver. So and deliver the program. So that's what we really focus on is getting those three things right. If you can get a thought leader, think, sell, deliver. And I have my own KPIs. I, even with my team, they know that, okay, my these are my think, sell, deliver KPIs. And then 
you know, maybe 20% of my time is managing everything else. But those three things are the deliverables. You know, so like even a podcast, like today is a is um, a think activity. So we say, great, we've got content coming out. We've got some ideas. We've got conversation. And this is a tool that creates content. So we go, great, that's a think activity. Perfect. So, yeah, I think it's really easy to get caught up in lots of different options and not knowing where to start. Very good. Now, one thing, I'll just transition into this. I definitely wanted you to go into detail about uh, your latest book, about LinkedIn, uh-huh. little tricks that we can do with that. But I, I remember talking to you about it, and what I thought was really interesting is you've got some books online. I, I noticed those. You have them priced higher than I would have expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're not deserve mm-hmm. it. It was just higher than I had expected. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe that's because it's a niche. That's me thinking that. And then also, like, becoming a speaker because you talked about uh, Matt Church getting involved with that. So I was just kind of curious, what are maybe some resources or maybe create a fee system for yourself? Like, yeah. I want to be a speaker. I, maybe I have experience, maybe you don't, maybe you can position yourself as if you have more experience. And how do you create like a fee for that? And like for a book, is there a way to determine what is a good price for your book in general? Yeah, yeah, good question. Lots of parts to that. So um, I think I'll answer the first thing because a lot of things are driven by the book. Okay. So your book is the most powerful positioning tool that you could ever create. So if you look at something like Thought Leaders Business School, our goal is we, we create, we plan to write a book a year and uh, because that keeps us current, that keeps us relevant um, and it keeps us showing the market that we understand what's going on. We can't all write a Robert Cialdini, you know, landmark text from 1995 that's lasted him, what, 20 years? <laughs> so, um, and he's just written his new one. But, but you know, you don't have to write the New York Times bestseller. You know, the book is the positioning tool, and the reality is, you probably won't sell many books anyway. Um, the book is you. You're, you're more than likely probably give it away, um, and you'll mm-hmm. be giving it to in workshops. You'll be giving it in exchange for email addresses. You'll be giving it it and. The visualness of the book, most people probably won't even read it, but the visualness and the power of that book and the cover and the statement you're making and it's that thick, it says that you know something about this subject. Well, you know, from a sales perspective, if you're thinking about, okay, I need to be able to go out and, and sell what I do, I could go out and have a whole bunch of sales meetings. So if you want to have 40 sales meetings, that would take you a week. Like if you mm-hmm. had them back to back, now that's you can't really get 40 done in a week. You might be able to get 20 at most maybe. Um, yeah. But if you were to do all those back to back, that's a lot of repeated conversation and it's very poorly leveraged. Um, but if you can go and speak at the National Chiropractors Conference and you've got, right. you know, a few thousand people, then, geez, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good leverage of time to speak in 45 minutes and to get to that amount of people. Now, to get that spot, the book is the tool that creates the reassurance for the event planner or in the U.S. you'd call them a, a professional conference Uh, organizer Mm -hmm. or a meeting professional so that book reassures them that good you're not going to make me look bad by me putting you up on stage because you know something the other thing is that if you've written the book creates positioning which means that you know if you're an event planner the event planner's problem is that they've got to sell tickets to an event they're going to get a bum on a seat they're going to move you off watching a youtube video (laughs) and get you in a room so 
you've got to have a little bit of um, create now your own following through social media, you know, so that an event planner says, wow, okay, I think, I think if I put you in a brochure, if I put you on the website to say you're coming, I think people might come. <laughs> so, yeah. so there, you know, I think, um, so the key thing is, is to get uh, the book creates the positioning, which creates the keynotes, which creates the workshops, which creates uh, your mentoring programs. It's all that's about trust. It, it means that I can trust you. I, you've, you know something about this. I can get to know what you do. And that book goes everywhere. It's on your LinkedIn profile. It's on your website. You know, you're giving it out. Um, so the pricing of the book, unless you're a, a bookseller, the pricing mm. of the book and selling a book is not really the ultimate goal. And we can get a little bit okay. caught up in the wrong goal with books. And I've noticed because I've priced it out, it's not that it's like an expensive business card. Yeah. But when you buy something in bulk through these places, you get a discount because you're the author. So it's not like you're paying 11 or you're not paying full price by any means to give it away. But the client who gets it, they don't know that. And then they're like, wow, you just gave me a $20 book or $30 book. And that's for most people. That's impressive. Yeah. Like they know what they know a book. They bought a book. They felt a book. It, It takes effort and time to write a book. Yes. So. Yeah, it's very visual, it's very tangible, and you know you get to add that value to your programs. So if you're uh, running a, a workshop or a keynote or something like that, and you go, look, you know, here's my keynote fee, here's how I'm going to charge for it, um, and by the way, if you want to buy a book for everybody, then here's the value on that. So the mm. value of what you're selling, if you've got bigger numbers, um, that's great, um, and that's a bit of a bonus. But yeah, certainly in terms of of my books, most of them I give away, so I, I don't actually sell a lot of them, or they're sold as part of programs that I that I deliver, um, which is kind of nice too. Yeah, like it's and it, it's all from I think that generosity mindset. It you know mm-hmm. it's finding the right printer that you can do it cost effectively. I think um, I have a local printer here that I use, and and uh, and I like the job that she does. Um, my medical book and my like my doctor's book and um, the Connect book. The Connect book in particular has a really fickle cover because it's black. If I had my time again, I'm not sure I'd use a black cover. It scratches really easily. Um, so we're doing a lot to sort of protect it and make it keep keep it looking nice and pack it nicely. And that's been a little bit fiddly. Oh, yeah. But then in terms of the like the transition to a paid speaker, you know, if you've got academics, particularly in universities and things like that, they're not always being paid. And that, so one of the um, one of the problems I find when working with people who are trying to get paid as a speaker, um, there's probably two. I do a mix of paid and unpaid. Um, so it all the short answer is it all depends um, and mm. who's in the audience and where it is and are they ideal client and if they're not and all that sort of stuff. But a couple of years ago I set myself a goal and that was to do 52 keynotes in a year. And wow. so I thought and that was when I was first starting out and I remember when I first was coached around my speaking, the, the guy said to me, he said, go and do 250 keynotes and then come back and see me. And I was like, oh. wow, okay. <laughs> and So what, five years from now? <laughs> so, so that was a few years ago. So I went, I went back and said, I've done my 250. He goes, okay, now you're ready to learn. 
and I and I was. I'd made every mistake, and and uh, so part of that was that goal that I set. Okay, well, I'm going to do one a week, but that doesn't have to be on. Uh, that doesn't have to be face to face anymore. You know, you've got the opportunity for online. You've got webinars. You've got all sorts of things. So, um, uh, but yeah, big diff. But I think some people do get caught up in. You know, I'm only going to be a paid speaker, and I'll just um, be having the blue M and M's and. Um, you know, <laughs> you know they they turn into a diva, and uh, it's like who are you again? Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's being humble, but you know, there's plenty of times where even even for those who are doing multi million dollar practices that I mentor, there's times where I say no, that's an unpaid one. You, you go do that one. So yeah, there's always a piece of like you have to give back. Otherwise, you just need to. I think sometimes you have to give back, and other times it's just there's going to be so many influential people that would be great for you that you just need to get out there and you do it, it because the back end sales are going to be huge. Yeah, that's right. It's all part of positioning, it's part of funnel building. It's uh and you know, you just constantly you're still part of in speaker mode. So Well, let's switch gears. You have this thing called the lead generation indicator. It's online. I took it. The results are like 14 pages, people. It is <laughs> in depth. And let me tell you, it's like a slap in the face because I was like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And then like half of it, I was failing. I was like, oh, well, this is just great. So talk about that. And you have a book about LinkedIn because I'll be honest, I thought LinkedIn was kind of, oh, I think I read something today. Actually, it was only 25% of the users actually log yeah. in per month, yeah. which is not so great. But you're saying it's a tool. You leverage that tool. So if you could talk about the, the ind indicator and then what are some tactical, what we can do today yeah. with our LinkedIn to make it better? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a little bit of context on how I came about it. So in 2012, we had a change of government here in Queensland and I lost about 80% of my business overnight. Whoa. At the same time, I'd also lost a lot of money on Google AdWords and working with an expert on this stuff. I was having sleepless nights. I was like, what am I going to do? And I didn't want to go back to a job. And I, you know, I had enough from my mother putting the jobs in front of me. So, um, so I, was, I thought, well, what skill have I got? And at the time I was writing LinkedIn profiles for career management clients, so for helping job seekers. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know what? I can use this tool for business development. I can use this to go and access buyers. And there have got to be people out there who need my help. I've got this database. I'll just use this. So I started to work out what I could do. Uh, I had no money. And uh, and so the best thing was it was the only tool I had that was free that I could work out what else to do. So I started and that was how I learned how to use it. So a couple of things. One is with the lead generation indicator. So as you said, it's a diagnostic that measures marketing gaps for people who operate through brand you. And you go to top of the class for the podcast section, that's for sure, Justin. So you've got no problem there. I wish everybody was as diligent as you. Um, but, uh, you know, it identifies these gaps that it's the only diagnostic that measures these gaps and it's it sort of seems quite sort of simple but when you're marketing a, a, an expert it's a different game than marketing a, a plumber or a car detailer or you know those types of businesses um so the idea is um i just found i was constantly having this 
I was drawing the model and having the same conversation with everybody and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to create a questionnaire and people can do this themselves and access the information themselves. And uh, so you get a score and it tells you exactly where those gaps are and what you need to do next. So it measures, you know, are you doing a podcast? Are you writing your blog? Have you split your database into the markets that you work with? How often are you speaking? Um, Does your search engine optimization work on your website? Have you got a LinkedIn profile? Have you got the keywords in there? So um, how often are you reaching out to new people, your referrals, all those types of things. So just getting that whole marketing mix right, uh, particularly when your, your people are buying you. So I, I found that was really because there was nothing else around and that was the conversation I kept having with people. So I created that. Uh, the new book that will be out very soon is an influencer book. I think we're in final stages of it now, uh, which is uh, Explode Your List, Skyrocket Your Leads and Supercharge Your Visibility. So the book was going to be called Influencer, but I've changed it to Expert to Influencer. So it's how to use the diagnostic so that you know exactly what to do next uh, so they can. So everyone's welcome to jump on the website. If you go to my um, uh, janeandersonspeaks.com site and if you hover over, there's a section called shop. If you hover over that, there's a little drop down and it says the lead generation indicator. Uh, but if you can't find it uh, and or if you jump on my Instagram and most of my social media, there are links everywhere to it. And, uh, and I'll link it directly oh, in the show Oh, that would be too. awesome. Thank you. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. totally free. So you, it doesn't cost you anything. For those I sell it to, if I sell it as part of programs, it's eighty dollars. But for for um, for the listeners, you're welcome to jump on and access that. It's totally free. And but a key part of that is your LinkedIn strategy. As you said, I think LinkedIn is such a beast of a thing, and I I think I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with LinkedIn, and I I think probably most of us do. It's so hard, mm-hmm. yet it just seems so powerful. And but it's so complicated that I just don't do anything. <laughs> um, you know, there are four hundred and what are we up to? 480 million people on there. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily log on, but what we do know is that 40% of people are on there who are on there and who do log in, log in every single day. So that's still oh. 240 million people that are on there. So <laughs> still, <laughs> still quite a few. <laughs> and, you know, I think we get caught up in the big numbers, but as long as you're connected to the people who matter, those people who are the right people for you and your your practice, those people you get referrals from, but only 1% of people write content, yet the average person has moved over to two hours a day of from watching television to two hours a day of consuming content. So we can't keep up with the volume of content, and it's the perfect platform for experts and for people who, to, you know, who are marketing through their personal brand to write their original thought leadership. So we always start here before we start with a website because it's mm-hmm. like a database that you can go, okay, I want to talk to um, accountants in Shanghai. Okay, let's do that. So <laughs> let's go find them and we can go find them. There's no other way unless you're Googling and you sit there for hours. But um, so I think one of the most practical things that uh, that listeners could do, and this is one of the one of the probably secrets in LinkedIn that they don't um, really share very much. One is yes, writing content and search engine optimize your profile and all that sort of stuff. And you can jump on my post; you'll see where you can do that. But I think the most powerful thing in LinkedIn is the saved search function, and. Uh, I've done a video recently, so I might share that link with you 
Justin to um to put yeah. up, and I just did it recently. I wasn't. It was my little sort of hidden secret sauce that I had in my programs, um, but I've shared it with people because I think it's so valuable and it's so simple. So a save search. A saved search. That's all it is. And huh. so if you think about, let's say your your ideal customer that you need to reach out to. Let's say you're a, um, a chiropractor and you have referrals that come to you from local local doctors or other health practitioners a lawyer a lawyer, How about yeah. that? A lawyer with car accidents yeah there we go lawyer with car accidents there you go perfect so we go okay let's find all the lawyers in your area who specialize in that so we go easy okay. so we go into the safe search area and I, you'll see this in the video and i i click through it and, and talk you through how to do it you just click on, you go to save search like in your profile, you go, okay, I'm going to do a search and you can search on category, so lawyers and the location and then what? all you do is hit save and you'll get an email once a week in your inbox with all the new people who are in your network who have that search result or who, who meet that criteria. So you don't have to keep going and finding them all the time. So they just turn up in your inbox and it says, hi, Justin, here are the next 20 lawyers um, who specialize in car accidents. Um, here are the, here's the list of those people. And you go, awesome, thank you, and reach yeah. out, introduce yourself. And they're the newest people that you don't have to waste your time. Are they friended? Are they not friended? Yeah, uh. yeah. Wow. So it's sweet. So you you know it's the least amount of work, most highly leveraged activity on LinkedIn, and not many people do it. They don't realize it's there. So as far as um, I relate the pictures to that kind of thing, kind of like a like a dating website. Yes. There's there's things that you should have, like you probably don't want to have your your booze picture and your shirt <laughs> off on LinkedIn. You probably want more of your headshot. I'm guessing. Are there any tricks for that to make you look a little bit more professional? Yeah, um, a couple of things. One is you know make sure your headshot is your chest to your head so not full okay. body shot um i should be able to if i walk past you at a conference i should be able to recognize you from your photo it, it, I, I, okay. so you should be able to go oh i know you uh, the other thing i would suggest is smiling so uh, appear friendly so um you know a lot of people put glasses on or they're not looking at a camera or they're doing these really artistic style shots um you know that's that's great probably for a website but people make a decision about you on your profile in less than three seconds uh, wow. uh, you know you can put all this content in which is you know there's a lot you have to do to get that three seconds to really pop the other thing i would say is you know on linkedin there's a banner that's on your profile so you've got your photo but there's a banner that sits above the top of your profile and it's a new right. thing that they have brought in in about probably about the last 12 months or so and a lot of people can't get the the graphic to work right or they just put nothing in there it's a really good yeah. shape to work with it really was yeah so my suggestion is is um, get a graphic designer get someone on Fiverr you know you can um, but my suggestion is is that banner is absolute prime real estate you know that that's the landing spot of all your clients so um, and if you're validated there so have a picture of what it is that that you do so I had a lady who was a, a leadership expert and she had photos of her riding camels in the Middle East and I said do you work I do coach people with camel businesses or something and she said oh no that's where I went on holidays and I was like oh it's my personal connection. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, if I if I don't look at anything else in your profile, 
I should be able, from that picture, it should, you know, it's the whole saying, the picture speaks a thousand words. If I look, just look at that picture, what would I assume that you do? So mm. if you are a chiropractor, you know, have a picture of your clinic or you um, working with a patient, you know, you're not going to have their face and everything, but send a really clear message that this is what you do. And, uh, and it just makes it really sticky and then people hardly even have to read the rest. They go, oh, got it, he's a chiropractor. You know, I was, this is, I think it's funny. I was on a dating website at one yes. point and for whatever reason, like they don't cycle the pictures very well sometimes. Yeah. So you load it up and you're like, why? I, I've seen this person. I've either, con- you know, just get away. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so one of those popped up. I was at a local coffee uh-huh. shop and I looked around and I was like, oh, I know that. No, Justin, you do not know that person. <laughs> You're, you've just, you just seen, seen her seen enough times. Enough. I was like, that is weird and creepy. I was like, I didn't say anything. That would have been even worse. <laughs> that would have been very funny. <laughs> yeah, but the power of a picture, yeah. uh, a profile picture right there. Yeah, it creates familiarity. If you look at uh, probably Cialdini's book, Persuasion, which is the new book that he's created, is it's all um, essentially priming so that you – uh, your customers are, are familiar with you, and particularly with your if you're working with patients and they're validating you, the more familiar that they feel with you, they've seen your face, the more trust you mm-hmm. have, and the more you'll be able to influence them when they get in the room. So as opposed to, you know, fighting the battle of trying to get them to trust what you're saying and influence them to, you know, follow their program of, you know, stretches or or whatever, you know, um, exercises they have to do at home and they don't believe you, if they've seen all that before they get in the room and they've built enough trust with you, your face is just so powerful and we often underestimate it. Do you ever read any? I think his name was Kevin Hogan. He he had like rapport building techniques oh, yeah. and the power of persuasion. Have you ever read any no, of those books? No, I'll have to go and check it out. You know, when I was getting out of school, I was twenty five. I looked, you know, pretty young, obviously, <laughs> trying to get people forty five and fifty year olds to trust me with yeah. their health. And I just I was like, okay, there's something to body language. So I just read a few books yeah. about it. It seemed to really help. I didn't anyway. Last step, I want to respect your time. You have this uh, memo mailer app do you want to talk about that at all yeah um uh this app i created my background i spent uh how i worked with all these big companies like the rio tintos and ikeas and places is that spent a lot i spent five years as a productivity consultant working with ceos and eas and getting them working well together and um and when I went out of my own practice uh, one of the, and had my own EA, one of the things we really had to do was speed up communication. And so I created this app called Memo Mailer and I've co-created it with a gentleman called uh, Dermot Crowley. Dermot Crowley is a best-selling author here in Australia of the book called Smart Work. So he's a productivity expert as well. So the app, essentially, why, uh, what I created it was because we have, you know, when you're working with experts, we've got really cool ideas. You know, we're creative, we see opportunities, and we have two issues. One, we can't get the ideas out quick enough or we can't capture them, have a way to capture them. Mm-hmm. Or there's only one of us and we need someone to delegate everything to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so what happens is our brain starts to become a to-do list as opposed to using it for problem solving and creativity. And it was a guy called uh, Tony Schwartz who's at, uh, the, he's at uh, Harvard. He's a professor there. And in his research he found that the average person can only hold seven things 
at once in their mind. So what we needed to do was use all the tools that we've got to get those things out of your head and not use it as a to-do list. I created Memo Mailer and it's a way that you can, it's in the iTunes App Store and Google Play and it's designed, it's set up, you pre-set it up, it has two buttons, so one for yourself or one for your assistant or whoever you like. The idea is, is that as soon as you think of an idea or something that needs to be done, that you have a way to capture it. So you would press the button, so if it's to yourself, so I, I went to an event last night and I had heaps of stuff that came out of it, so I just quickly did my memo mailer while I was walking to the car and said, okay, remember to do this tomorrow, follow up this person, you know, go and investigate that, and I just press the button and let go. Now that sends an email to me with my voice recording with all that. So, oh. so it's super quick. You don't have to type your email address in every time. It's all pre-set up. And equally, so Virginia, who's my EA, if I come out of meetings, I'll walk out of a meeting. So if you're walking out of a, a patient meeting, uh, is like, I'll say, hi, Virginia, can you please draft this for this, this client or this patient? So, hi there, Bill, it was great to catch up with you today. Really enjoyed meeting with you. Okay, so the plan I want you to follow is I want you to do this exercise in the mornings, I want you to do that in the afternoon, and then I want you to come back and see me in a week's time. So, Virginia, could you please send Bill these dates, blah, 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 done, and I'll walk into the next meeting. That if The communication is very quick, and Virginia can listen to that at the moment works for her. So I don't have to wait for her to get off the phone. I don't have to type up an email. How much time would you have to waste in between clients too? Like, you know, most people have a 15 minute hour. So it's like you have to spend those 10 minutes writing up the notes and typing it and sending it off. And oh, what did I tell Bob at eight o'clock this morning? Now it's lunchtime. Wow, that's really convenient. Yeah, it's super quick. And the feedback we've had from working with EAs, we've had phenomenal feedback. And I didn't create it to, you know, to make a billion dollars like Angry Birds or anything. It was more, it was, I was a bit selfish with it. I actually created it for myself because I just wanted it, I knew it would help us and I thought, oh, well, if it helps other people, that's great. Um, but uh, the feedback that we've had from EAs was that when I did the testing was that they didn't want it in a written form. They didn't want the uh, transcription. They wanted to hear it. So they because it's always horrible. <laughs> it is. It's never. There's always spelling errors, you know, and it it slowed down because they had to then go and check with you on uh, yeah. that. And so the feedback we had was they definitely wanted to hear it in audio, okay, uh, and also the tone because they could tell the tone mm. of your voice based on how you wanted it written. Um, this is urgent. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, if you had a friendly tone, they go, "Oh, he, you know, they must like this patient. Will be super nice." And that just the tone they would write it was was a little bit different. Um, yeah. So, uh, so your listeners might find that useful. So, whether they're on their own or they have uh, support, I like that a lot. That makes a ton of sense to me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's not rocket. It's not a rocket science thing, but geez, it speeds things up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Wrapping things up, yes. how can people find, you said janeandersonspeaks.com, anything else that people can find you at? Um, yeah, you can jump on uh, LinkedIn, so you'll find me there if you do a search for uh, Jane Anderson. There's obviously a few Jane Andersons around, but if you have a look around, um, you'll see me. I think I've got the red jacket on and blonde hair, so you'll find me there. And uh, Facebook, uh, business page and personal page. I find most people want to connect personal page, so if, if they do that, that's fine. Um, where else? Obviously, we've got Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. So 
Okay. All right. All right. Well, before we wrap up, do you have anything else that you would like to share with us? Any books or anything <laughs> fun like that or any words of wisdom before we go? Yeah, I think um, I was. I just wrote down, I think last time we spoke, uh, there are a couple of others that I had here I think that might help people if they're looking for extra resources to help them grow their okay. practice. Um, <clears throat> one would be I would have a look at Michael Port's book, Book Yourself Solid. So his book is multiple New York Times bestseller. He does an incredible job uh, talking about um, some of those ways that you can grow your practice and uh, highly, highly recommend I buy it for all my clients. The other one I would say is uh, particularly if you're trying to pick up the productivity in your practice uh, is Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Seven Habits. It's um, It was probably the book that changed the way I work the most and I wouldn't be able to get through near the stuff I can get through without his work. The practical application is a, is a big thing as well, but... Uh, if you're wanting sort of to know the, the what's the landmark text, the best one to read, I reckon his is probably a good one too. I wrote down last time, just to see if you still agree with yeah. these. Somebody named Gian Pereira. Uh, yeah, Gian Pereira. He's a futurist. He's in business school with us. So he has, uh, if you're looking at running uh, webinars and things like that, he's a um, he does a lot with the future of health or he's written a few blogs on the future of health. Um, I'd have a look at Gihan's work. And a new one also for you who I'm finding is talking about a, the future of uh, health a little bit at the moment is uh, Graham Codrington. So he's a futurist as well. Graham Codrington, he's a South African gentleman. And uh, he did a post just recently on his Facebook page about impacts of, of the future of health. So um, uh, mm -hmm. I would go and have a look at what Graham has to say if you want to follow his blog and uh, on his website too. Okay. The last two was Pay to Speak by Matt Church oh, yes. and something called Speakology. Speakology. I think I had a oh, speakership I had with Matt. Oh, it's speakership. speakership. So, um, so if you want to find out more about Thought Leaders Business School and Matt Church, you can jump on to mattchurch.com and Google Thought Leaders Business School. Matt, um, his presentations skills course uh, if you want to be um, if you want to become um, if you want to learn more about the paid speaking industry he has two courses speakership is the technique of speaking and he also has a business called uh, sorry a course called paid to speak which is about the paid speaking industry and how you can break into that and how it all works so yeah and he's written the book on uh, sell your thoughts if you want to become uh, a thought leader as well Hmm, very good. Uh, the, the joys of uh, round two. We got resources we got extra stuff. that we, uh, we didn't get to talk to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank well, you. fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy your meeting coming up. I hope it's very productive. Yeah, thank you. I'm really looking forward to trying to get out there and help more women to be able to grow their grow their practices So um, and do some mentoring and get some good stuff out there. People need, need your help. So <laughs> I just say just get it out there. All right. Well, you have a fantastic week. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm sure you guys figured it out by now. But yes, we had a glitch. We had an amazing first interview. So now we had round two. It's always a little different on round two. But it was so good. So much information. I know I've, I went into my LinkedIn and started playing around and fine tuning it, making sure it looked good and, and started attacking 
different methods of getting more clients. Well, I guess more leads, if you will, and just putting out information on there, some good quality information. And I hope you guys will do the same. Check out our books. Based on our conversation, they've got to be good. Thank you for giving us a look into how to be a personal brand. You are your brand. So represent yourself in the best way and in the most ways possible. Keep doing what you're doing. Doctors, get out there in your community. Show them who you are. Become the star in your community. Visit her on her website, janeandersonspeaks.com to get more information about everything she's up to. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash two six. You have a great day. Stay tuned for the travel tip. A big thank you to everybody who purchased the book. For those who are considering it, a doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. You can get yourself a PDF version for free. If you watch the video, fantastic. You'll see the different reasons why you should read the book. We've got things from helping with headaches, stretches, and exercises that you'll actually do. Ways to figure out food labels. What's the deal with sugar? Tricks for portion control. And a nice chunk of the book, how can your body heal itself? Are you minimizing? Why are some people negative about chiropractic? What does it actually do? What is pain? What is a misalignment or a subluxation? You can go on Amazon. They got the Kindle version, paperback book. As always, there's merchandise at the resources tab. There's podcast t-shirts, chiropractic t-shirts, mugs, whether it's getting a cup of coffee. All the stuff is high quality, good ink job. If you like what we're doing, giving back a little bit, keep the show going. Definitely not necessary, but of course it's appreciated. If you head over to the website, the top right is all the social media flavors. Pick what you like. Friend us, of course, active on Instagram and Facebook the most and trying to do more live videos, trying to keep everything fresh. The pictures of my travels are typically on both of those. Big rush on Facebook, slow drip on Instagram, of course. If you want to leave a comment, definitely do that. It helps us to know how to improve the podcast so that you guys like it better. And of course, if you leave a review on iTunes or your Android app, that's very appreciative. If you want, screenshot it, boom, throw it up on Facebook, tag me, and I'll give you a shout out. Today's travel tip is about being loud. Some countries have a stereotype that our citizens are very loud on the elevator, very loud walking down the street at all hours of the day and all hours of the night. Now that's a stereotype. Not everybody's loud, but if you're in a culture where you notice people aren't being quite so noisy, you know, you could tone it down. You don't have to. Just saying. Um, I know myself personally when I'm walking down the street with my wife, nobody can understand us. So I just will be loud sometimes and just say some crazy things. And it kind of, she's like, could you just stop? And so uh, it's just a, you know, mess with her a little bit, but it's fun. And like I said, you can do what you want, but just a little tip to be aware of different cultures and different cities that you might visit. They might have a different personality, a little different vibe. So if you want to fit in, you might assimilate. Y'all have a good week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.